never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day for an interview because I've got John Katz with me. John is a man who transformed himself in such a way that is most beautiful to watch. And I think when I read about him and I read, uh, dived a bit closer into him, I think the one thing that really spoke to me so much was his realization that he was lying to himself for most of his life. And hell, he had me there because I was that idiot. I was denying everything that was going on. I had not even got a clue what was going on, but I was still denying it. So, man, it is it is time for us to be open, honest, and live intentionally with integrity. But in order to, to do so, we need to go back a bit towards the, the moments of darkness or the decades of darkness in my and John's case. So, John, I'm so pleased to, to meet the new John nowadays. And so to the new John, welcome to my show. Thank you, Stefan. Appreciate you having me here. And I'm, I'm stoked to have this conversation. Oh, brilliant. Oh, John. A man from New York. Oh, yeah, New York is the apple, the, the, the life. I mean, a lot of people would say, wow, I envy you. I come from the Midwest or I come from, God knows, middle of nowhere, um, ass of the world, or maybe not the ass of the world, but you can see where I live. You can see the ass of the world. And what are you, what are you complaining? You know, you're from New York. <laughs> How was it that might be in New York? Yeah, I mean, New York is great, and, and I embrace the city now, but when I was living in darkness, I didn't enjoy wherever I was. I lived in New Orleans for many years. I traveled the world for many years. New York might be the heart of culture. It might be the nexus of all these different places, but until you live right inside, it doesn't matter where you are externally. I hated much about what I was doing, no matter where I was, including my many years in New York. So if you, the listener, is living in the quote-unquote middle of nowhere and you're not living right, it won't matter if you're living there or Manhattan, or New Zealand, or Shanghai, or exactly. Beirut, because you will be living negative inside. And that's going to color everything, every part of your life. And that is one of the most important lessons that I've learned on this path, that wherever you go, there you are, you're going to bring all of your negativity and all of your positivity to whatever home you're in. And I was in some of the nicest places and did not like what was going on. And I've been in some of the quote, unquote, worst places. And I was having the time of my life because I was right inside. <laughs> Very, very interesting. How did it work out with your with your childhood? Where often enough we get set up in our childhood with unfortunately trauma, sometimes intergenerational trauma. Did that play a role for you? Absolutely. My folks battled and are still somewhat battling their own struggles with pain that they were given by their folks. And my childhood was not super stable. There was definitely some chaos at home. And that external chaos at home imprinted me with a fair bit of internal chaos. I've always been relatively sensitive, sensitive to the pain of others, sensitive to the state of the world, sensitive to my own state. And that plays a really good part in my current path of coaching others and doing environmental justice and activism and whatnot, because I'm sensitive to you know what's going on around me. But as a kid, I didn't have the right tools to process this high level of sensitivity and the chaos that surrounded me. And I ended up internalizing a lot of that and it created a lot of negative internal thought patterns, a lot of obsessions, a lot of 
chaos is the best way to describe it. So to try to settle that as I aged that uh, negative internal state from my childhood, I turned to drugs and alcohol because that provided a temporary reprieve from the internal chaos that I had, you know, sort of engendered within from my chaotic upbringing. May I ask your your surname Katz is is Jewish? I I presume. Um, is there uh, has uh, have your ancestors uh, been uh, persecuted uh, in in the Second World War? I mean, it goes without saying that pretty much every Jewish family in the U.S. has some tie to some sort of negativity in Europe. Uh, the earliest waves of Jewish immigrants escaped the mass genocide of the Second World War. My family was largely unscathed, but most of them arrived due to war, pogroms, ethnic challenges. Uh, my paternal grandmother actually left, fled Germany in 37 as the metaphoric wow. shit was hitting the fan. Wow. Uh, my other forebears, um, the other three grandparents had arrived some time before, but all of their arrivals were due to you know, the real challenges, almost impossibility of being a Jew in Central and Eastern Europe. That said, there are many, many other families, millions of other families, in fact, that experienced slaughter that uh, my family managed to escape. Now, there are some psychologists that believe in a theory of intergenerational trauma, and that's why there, is such high, there are such high levels of mental illness and challenges and internal issues in the Jewish diaspora. I don't know if I do or do not agree with that, but I do know that it You know, my folks didn't arrive here, you know, with a particular positive um, message of, of, you know, wealth and prosperity. Mm. They did okay when they arrived, but there was definitely some a lot of challenges in the old country to 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 shove them here. Two of my grandparents came from the area of the world that has been shifting between Poland and Russia. There's always anti-Jewish violence. Another one came from what is today Hungary anti-Jewish violence. And then the fourth, as I mentioned, my paternal grandmother arrived from Germany uh, in 37, right as it was about to be lights out. I had the honor of interviewing two concentration camp survivors. And um, and being German, I'm very acutely aware of what was going on. Yet we have got from the survivors and from the people who moved on, we have got people like Viktor Frankl, who essentially are, are uh, foundations of, of transformation, people who focus on the positivity. So only because there's intergenerational trauma uh, uh, does not mean to say that that trauma necessarily is being handed down. Hopefully the lessons that were learned in the past are handed down, not necessarily the trauma. So were your parents positive? in their outlook there can be chaos but that you can if you're if your role models were positive and we're actually discussing problems we're discussing financial hardship we're discussing that they feel low that can be such a huge difference compared with the same set of problems and people sort of doing doing a negative kind of coping with it yeah there's a lot to unpack there you mentioned victor frankel he's a man for the ages He wrote that he who has a why does not need a how. Essentially, as long as we have a reason for being, we can figure out everything that gets us to existence. You also mentioned trauma and problems. These things need to be rephrased. And what I do with my program is instruct folks by first instructing myself that our trauma is our greatest gift. All trauma is healable. All problems are surmountable. 
Yeah. All of these things, all of these things are workable because in working them, we are granted the gift of doing the same for others. People need to reformulate the way they perceive their own pain. People need to reformulate the way they perceive their own trauma. This is the biggest problem is people believe that their trauma and their problems is the terminus of their life. They have felt this negativity. They feel it now. Thus, they falsely believe they will feel it forever. However, in working through it and coming to terms with it and no longer denying it and accepting that in the present moment, you create a different future. And this is what misses so many people. This is unfortunately what missed my folks. And because it missed them, it landed with me. And I'm eternally grateful to them and for them for handing me a lot of these challenges that they receive from their folks, because I have been able to solve them. I've been able to treat them, process them, come to terms with them, accept them and move forward. And check this out. Due to a interesting stroke of fate, I was sent back to live with my folks at the age of 36. This is August 1st of last year. In my seven, in my seven and a half months living there, I started treating them both. I was assisting them in developing their own sense of internal peace, coming to terms with unresolved trauma from their childhoods. We're talking about six decade plus, seven decade plus ancient trauma that was still unresolved. And my simply my having walked this path for so long, being around two folks that had dealt with this negativity, had been somewhat in denial, were still carrying a lot of pain. My presence in their life, in their home, allowed them to work through this. So we all need to understand that our trauma is not the end point. It is simply a midpoint. We were created. We received trauma. We heal it and we move forward and we create this new being. Do not think that your trauma is going to be with you forever. It's only with you forever if you choose not to deal with it. And that is what so many people do, Jew Jewish and non-Jewish. This is what so many people do. And Frankel did not. Frankel saw, here's another thing about trauma. People need to stop complaining. Read Man's Search for Meaning. Read any of Primo Levi's books. Read any of the survival narratives and you will gain a newfound appreciation for life. Right. Gratitude, gratitude is lived. And these men and the other women survivors, they lived through the worst hell of the 20th century. And some of them came out on the other side, if not exactly thankful for their experience, but not living in a perpetual state of gratitude that so many of us choose to live in and invite yeah. into our lives with the bullshit hell of negativity and substances. People have it so easy in our contemporary modern world, they forget quickly what people with real hardship have dealt with. Go back a few generations. It does not have to be a Nazi saga. It can be anyone's family. If you go back two to four generations, I guarantee you, your forebears got through some hardships that would break you. And yet here we are complaining about everything under the sun because we have it too easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's a bit weird because uh, my my mouth is still, my lips are not moving, yet my words are coming out of your mouth. So it's a bit strange. <laughs> but I 100% agree with you, John. 100%. Um, Separation is an illusion. Separateness is an illusion. It's not my words or your words. These are all universal messages that we all receive if we're open to them, if we're walking the sober path, if we've turned our back on our old selves, then we all have the same message. Your message is my message. My message isn't even my message. It's from creation. And it's from being honest. I lived dark. I lived dishonest. I lived in denial. I refuse to accept so much of my life. And now that I'm open to it, all I have to do is be open to it. And I receive it. This is all received wisdom. This is not John Katz, period. This is not, this is a shared thing, universal oneness. And it is just what happens when you strip away all the negativity. When you strip away everything that we are expected to do and be, which is chase pleasure, be negative, use others, use ourselves, eat like shit, look horrible, dislike the way we appear. We're expected to do that from the greater system. If, if it wasn't, I'm looking at my window right now, weed dispensary, weed dispensary, liquor store, 
bodega, four poison vendors in 200 feet on the Lower East Side. This is what we're expected to. This is what we're expected to do. If we refuse to do what is expected of us and be in pain, and instead we do what we expect of us, which is to live right and to heal ourselves, then this wisdom will be received. It, it, it just comes down to being honest. And so few people are willing to be honest because they are afraid of what other people are going to think about them. I could give a fuck. I could give an absolute fuck. Okay. That's true. Oh, how beautiful. How beautiful, refreshing, and honest that is. But that honesty is, it, you've worked hard for that, man. I, I know that um, because initially it is so much easier for us to try to escape our reality and especially if you haven't had role models who can show you how life could be when you're actually honest about your feelings when you're actually trying to communicate effectively uh, my parents were unable to do that and they modeled all the wrong things for me and therefore as a i was i was vulnerable i had my trauma um, yeah, I was a sitting duck um, to create negative core beliefs, uh, crap that still hits me nowadays. And I found solace in alcohol. And so what was the first the first poison that attempted you? Was it alcohol? Was it was it weed? What what was what was your life? Started smoking and drinking at 14 used every drug short of let's say the needle and the crack pipe uh, for about 20 years. I mean, mushrooms at least a few times a quarter. I spent two weeks in the desert on acid every night trying to find myself. Mm. Uh, this is the this is the satanic thing called Burning Man. Actually, there's a sober burn. Burning Man is a lot of different things, and maybe we can run a whole episode on that. There are a lot of a lot of Kiwi burners, uh, but I, I did pretty much everything to try to escape myself. The biggest poison for me was the nihilistic hookups, like. The youth culture around hooking up and, you know, the so-called meaningless and, and no strings attached thing, that is the quickest way to destroy your soul. I'll put my word on that. There's no, there's nothing more damaging for me, at least, than the meaningless hookups and the pursuit of, you know, casual everything. That was the most damaging thing for me, more than the weed, more than the booze, more than the drugs, more oh, than the ob obesity. The, the sleeping yeah. around was the most soul destroying because it takes from a man what cannot be given, which is their heart. You do not have more than one heart. You can lose weight. You can gain weight. You can drink alcohol. You can be sober. You can drop all of that. But a man only has one heart. And the more of other people's hearts you take, the less of your own heart you have. When you, yeah. I used and to think because I, yeah, go ahead, please. No, no, I, I, uh, I look at it with hindsight different. I'm, I was like you, a complete sexaholic. Um, and I, with hindsight, I really wonder how much I was looking for love i was looking for that dopamine rush and i often found it the problem with that is this artificial dopamine high guess what after a few weeks that sort of tapers off and you're missing something you're missing and and it was i had this this kind of ah oh, i was really good in in dating girls they loved what i did and then they got boring for me and i moved on so i was chasing a high and I was searching for love. I was searching for all the wrong things, I guess. Maybe maybe approval, looking for approval from others. Uh, there are so many things I chased whilst having that sex. Does that ring a bell with you? Or was it truly just forgetting yourself and escaping your reality? It was a bit of everything. There was a sense of validation. You know, it was a looking for love. There was a 
looking for justification for my actions. There was just a lack of adherence to my word. Like I'd be dating folks and then I'd be seeing other people. And then mm. I would let, I would like be okay with people that I was seeing, seeing other people because then it allowed me to do what I wanted. It was just low level behavior all around. It was looking for something that I was unable to give myself, which is the same thing that alcohol is. It is nice. the same thing that we is the same thing in drugs, the same thing that's world travel, same thing as pleasure chasing. When you're chasing pleasure, it's because you're not pleased with yourself. When you're denying some aspect of yourself, it's because you feel you have been denied. When you're denying some aspect of your relationship, it's because you feel that the relationship is not worthy of all of you. If you refuse to accept any part of your life, it's because you're, you feel that life has not accepted you. All of these things must be given to the self first before you can give them to others. And if you're taking, I used to think, oh, you know, the metaphor of if you fill your cup from 10 people's cups, you'll have 10 cups. No, your cup will be 10 times empty. The more you take from others, the less you're able to give to yourself. In order so to true. give to others, you you must give to yourself first. And this is the nihilism of sleeping around. You are taking and taking and taking and you are left bereft. I was left empty. After my last relationship, I was a shell of a man. I was taking from as many people as I could and it left me empty. I was totally, I was empty. I was broken. I was bereft. It was awful. Well. Wow. Wow. And now I don't do any of that. Now I know exactly where to find all of that. A program of personal development, a program of daily discipline, a program of good habits, of conscious congruency, of, of acceptance, of honesty brings the self everything it needs. I lack for nothing because I know where to find it. And that is inside. When a man is able to find all that he needs inside, a woman as well, because I do a female clients, when a person's able to find all that they need inside, they no longer seek for outside validation and acceptance. It all comes from within. We generate good feelings through working out. We generate a fit body through eating right. We generate gratitude by waking up early. And by virtue of those three things, one is not able to do the other self-destruction, soul-destruction stuff. You can't do it. If you're up at 4am for 25 months straight, like yours truly, it is not possible to go out to the club. If you're eating intentionally, according to a, a program that gets you a six pack, it is not possible to fall victim to the sugar rush. It just isn't possible. If you care about your life, it is not possible to care about that this death obsessed society that we live in. And what you have just described are two things, a an intention, so you do very intentional things and therefore you're not just drifting and think, oh, what should I do now? What could I eat now? No, you have got a plan. But also with that, you're taking action. So you're a very action and goal oriented man. And if you start putting these principles into, into action, there's the word, um, I think that is where the miracles happen. It is 100%. Uh, in the, but something needs to click at some stage. I mean, you you guys out there watching this YouTube video or, or listening to this this podcast, you already know that something is amiss in, in your life. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting here and, and listening to us. And so, therefore, you know there is this uh, something is missing, but you are maybe not yet there. How often did I read a self-help book and then didn't take action? How often did I, it's it's it, again and again, this was a, a repeating theme in my life. What did it take for you, John, to transform? What did it take for you to actually say enough is enough? Was it a person who walked into your life? Was it you banging your head? Was it an injury? Was it, what was it that finally, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? 
I mean, I was engaging in the worst possible behaviors. After my last breakup, I was engaging in the worst possible behaviors around pleasure chasing. And it left me to a point where I was thinking about killing myself. I was actually thinking about the manner in which I should leave this earth. And I have a young nephew that I love dearly. And his face appeared in my mind, you know, as I was having this suicidal ideation. And I realized, okay, well, killing myself and joining a number of other suicides is the most selfish thing a man can do. I'm not ever going to do that. And I stepped back from the pit of self-destruction and into the light of personal development. And I have not taken a back step since. It took one choice to become a different man in order to become a different man. And that's all I needed. That's all I needed. That's all it takes for one person to make one choice to decide that their life is worth living. Everyone's life is worth living, but we are told constantly that we are worthless because we are encouraged to do things that lower our worth. Once we understand that we are worthwhile, we are worthy of love, we are worthy of fitness, we are worthy of positivity, we are worthy of discipline, then we will take the next necessary actions to bring those things to us. You talked about reading self-help books. Those things are the worst. No one ever lost 40 pounds like I did by reading a self-help book. Some, plenty of people have lost 40 pounds like I did by taking action. The books need to go away. I used to think I was learned. I got degrees and I studied this. I could discuss all these high-minded concepts and it left me broken and suicidal. It was not until I stopped reading and started doing that I actually progressed with my life. So that's what it took. It took a choice, a single choice. A man must only choose once to change and that's all that's needed. I think that is true. That is true. Uh, but often enough, that is happening. For example, like, uh, probably that's happening around the world on the 1st of January. Um, they make a lot of choices. They make it, yeah, we throw this our life around. Um, and you know where that ends? <laughs> Only 10% actually keep, keep uh, a year down the line, keep to their promise or to their statements that they have made. So it can't just be that easy to make that choice. I mean, I got to be real with you. My coach once told me the world needs fat losers too. Straight up, straight up to everyone, to everyone listening, to everyone listening, you have two choices. You can choose to win or you can choose to lose. And the vast majority of people in the world have chosen to lose. It's their choice to make. And it makes those of us who choose to win shine brighter. I'm okay choosing to win every day. I'm also, it brings me pain knowing that most people are choosing to lose, but the world needs fat losers too. And I don't give a fuck who hears yeah, this it's it is the it is the bottom line right. i'm not going to be that person i chose to live my life in a conscience congruent manner i hated the way i looked yeah. i hated the way i felt and i chose to no longer walk that path right. that was it for me i did not want that in my life any longer right. period right but yeah. No, no, no. I love, Please. I love what you say, and I love the 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 hardness that you have got, guys. Don't just switch off. If you're like me, man, I'm I'm now on my journey here. Uh, for those of you who are following me, I was uh, before Christmas, I was 144 kilogram. So I'm now I'm transforming. Uh, as we are recording that, it's mid February. So I every week I drop my weight and I change and I put put my I put action into every single day i put choices into every single day what i want to tell you though is it that what john is saying is very true remember though thomas alpha edison yeah 2000 attempts to make a light bulb he didn't give up 
Okay. So just because you the last three, five, ten diets um have helped you maybe temporarily and then you put more on that you actually had. That's cool. You figured out what didn't work. So that's brilliant. So you have been a loser. That's cool. Well, actually, not a loser because you didn't lose your weight. Um, but so let's not let's not cut uh hairs here, uh split hairs. But the reality is you have figured out what did not work so far. And it has, has kept you in this kind of place where you don't like to be. So this is sort of the discomfort there. And the further out of your, your comfort you are, the better it is. Because the more you oh, get 100%. ready, the more yeah. you get ready to go. So, hey, this is exciting. This is, this is where it happens. Man. So what was the first action you took when you had enough of yourself? I hired a coach and I hired a coach that had trained some savages. The program that I run is a prison created discipline plan. When in prison, there's no money, there's hardly any money and there's no women. So the only push that a man has, the only motivation a man has, the only thing that a man is judged on is the content of their character and their character is deemed by the program they run. Do they use drugs? Do they drink prison liquor? Are they a low level fuck? Are they out of shape? Do they work out? These are things that a man is judged on in prison. And this is a level of prison discipline. There are no choices in prison. You are in or you are out. And this discipline program, stop people. Dude, check this out. My coach trained dudes, got people healthy that were shooting heroin the day before they went to prison. And then they got in and then they started running this discipline program and it created this positive being. So this is what I did. I hired a savage coach that told me like it was. He said, exactly what I the message is universal right so I hired a coach in order to keep me accountable to my work because this person is accountable to their word now I am extremely accountable to my word so the folks that hire me understand that they need to be accountable to their world this is group accountability there's an evolutionary component to this this is something that I've discovered on my own path this is a narrative that I've created myself we evolved to be accountable back when we were living in tribes and bands and groups, let's say two to 500 mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. if people were not accountable to the group at large, AKA if they were not accountable themselves, the group would suffer. They would likely be killed or exiled. Mm -hmm. Stefan, we need to go hunt. Like I'll see you at 3 a.m. You have to bring the bow. I'll bring the arrows and the day supplies. I show up an hour and a half late. The hunt is delayed. We don't get enough food. Some babies starve. One or both of us are being killed. We have to be accountable. This bullshit society is created. There's no more life or death scenarios. This is the way I live. I understand that my life is at stake because I was the pit of death, the brink of death. I also understand that this is far more than just what I represent as a person. This is a species-based survival mechanism about being accountable. So I hired a coach that learned this program or that formed this program in prison and applied it to the real world where everyone is so soft and unwilling to talk about the real matter, which is if you don't follow through, you're putting yourself and the group's survival in jeopardy. And I refuse to do that. This is what it takes. When you are ready to change, you find someone that has made the change, you bring them into your circle and they will bring you into their circle. This is group-based accountability. This is how we evolve. Peter Kropotkin, this is one book that I recommend after you get fit. Uh, Peter Kropotkin wrote about the evolutionary mechanism of mutual aid. In order for the group to do well, we all have to be doing well for the group. This bullshit individualist society that says we're all alone, and we should all pursue our own selfish aims is why so many of us are fat, broke, lazy, unfulfilled, meaningless, on the verge of suicide, anxious, depressed, obese, all of that. That comes from individual living. I'm doing this 
every day for everyone. In doing for myself, I'm doing for everyone. In doing for everyone, I understand that everyone is more able to do for their people and myself as well. It is all about giving. And this is what solidarity is. This is what mutual aid is. This is what accountability is. We have to be accountable to ourselves first in order to be accountable to anyone else. Once we're accountable to other people, we can expect further accountability. And that's what it is. This is what it takes. It takes aligning yourself with a future you desire by following a program that someone has built and lives. If I ask you or anyone else to do something, best believe I'm doing 10 times what I'm asking you to do. I have to be accountable to me before I can have you be accountable to me. Beautifully said. And some very hard words and some harsh realities. And most of us are, even in my generation, uh, most of us don't want to hear that. Um, there is, it's so easy to be the victim. It's so easy to blame others. It's so easy to be in that role of, ah, oh, see, I mean, it's now, uh, look at it, look, uh, look at my life. Um, and we have got right now, we have got all those pressures, financial downturn. Uh, my wife hates me. Oh, poor me, poor me, poor me, another one. And that is unfortunately such an easy, easy state to be in. Uh, and I want to say this brutally, and that's exactly to, 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 to use different words to say exactly the same thing that you are saying, John. Guys out there, if what we are telling each other and you, if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. That's exactly the place I need you to be. The place of waking up and the place of enlightenment, so to speak, to actually say, shit, these two dudes, they might actually just are right. Um, it, ah, it, is, it is so beautiful to see that, John. Um, it is, what if, hmm, where to go from here? I mean, John, there I mean, is... it comes down, yeah, it, I, I can tell you where, where we can go from here. You talked about losses and you talked about victimhood, right? Those things do not exist to me. I've taken more losses than most people combined, and I'm thankful for all of them. August 1st, 2022, my apartment was consumed by fire. Most of what normal people would say was my belongings were lost, and it was the best thing that could have happened to me since January 2021, when I turned my life around, the apartment fire shed me of so many of my external belongings and forced me to come to terms with a lot of internal things. Mm. Everything that we consider to be a loss is a lesson. I wrote a reel about this recently. There are no losses in this life. Either it teaches us how to deal with something negative, or it shows us that what we believe to be something negative was in fact something mm. positive, because in coming to terms with it, we can then heal others with it. There are no losses. Stop making yourself a victim. We can choose to be a victim of circumstance, or we can choose to be the victor of an intentional life. I choose to be the victor of an intentional life. There is nothing the world can take from me that I am not able to give to myself, period. And when I was living dark, I was constantly why me? I was constantly poor me. I was constantly ungrateful for what I had. And I had so much. This is the biggest issue people are always complaining about what they don't have because they're so blind to see what they do have burn your like burn your house down and see check this out guys anyone listening if you want to see a trip scroll back to my page august of last year you can see i cut footage directly following the fire and the next morning instead of getting up at four your boy got up at 245 and programmed the same i didn't miss anything i took a meeting the next morning at 11 a.m i kept working hard 
I ran my same program. I stayed cut. You can see my photos. I posted a bunch of stuff. I didn't start overeating. This is the shit that drives people to kill themselves when they quote unquote lose everything. Yeah. In order, okay, how about this? In order to understand what you have, you need to understand that you need, can you have to lose everything, really. And when I was ready to kill myself, I was ready to lose everything. And only at that point did I turn it around. When the fire hit my apartment and all normal people would say that I lost everything, it was only then that I realized how much I had inside, which was enough to start healing my parents, period. The biggest pain point in my life was my upbringing. In losing everything in the fire, I was sent to a physical and emotional place where I was in close proximity which, with what had been my most painful part of my life, which was my family life. And in, in being sent there, I was able to heal and I'm continuing to heal my family and bring everyone together, myself as well, because I'm still healing myself. The loss is not a loss. It is a lesson. It is your greatest gift. If you stop bitching about your circumstances and understand that Viktor Frankl went through Auschwitz and wrote a book after called Man's Search for Meaning. So true. So true. And it is that transformation from victim to survivor, and then from survivor to thriver. And it's the thrivers that are often defining themselves by their transformation, and now their willingness to serve others after having looked after themselves, and they make it their passion to live a life that's meaningful. I think that is the beautiful thing of trauma. That's virtually every single guest that I've had when I asked these guys, hey, would you change anything of the past? If you had a time machine and go back, would you change things? Again, I Nothing. see you, I see Nothing. you shaking your head. Exactly. I would not, I would not, I would need it because it I would still be the same bloody idiot that I was when I was younger. It took me the dark. It took the darkness to make me appreciate the light, and that is such a beautiful message for all of you out there. The past does not equal the future. And a hundred percent, John. Yeah, you are there. You have changed yourself so much, guys. Look at look at John here. He is, uh, and look at me. Two numbnuts, but we got our shit together. And against all odds, may I say, um, and here we are we are trying to make this world a better place by sharing our story so maybe does that ring a bell with you so you are at that start you are and <laughs> where john was uh in in january 2020 uh you are where i was in what was it 2014 um it is sort of the point where finally Finally, enough is enough. Finally, it's time for you to become the person who you never knew you wanted to be. I mean, who do you want to be when you grow up? John, who do you want to be when you grow up? What about you? Mm, that's a great question. I want to be the best version of myself. And in order to do that, it is necessary to push myself on every front every day. I want nothing more than to be the best version of myself. When I was younger... I wanted to sleep with this person. I wanted this amount of money. I wanted to see this. I wanted to see these number yeah. of countries, including New Zealand. Yeah. I wanted all of these things. I wanted to do. Now I simply wish, now I simply wish to be. And I also wish to become. And this is a big difference. People, this the way of thinking is that we are always, we're encouraged to do a lot and people want to have a lot, but they don't really want to be a lot. 
because in order to be a lot, they have to become a lot. And and when I when I say they want to do, they want to do in like the single use sense. I'm trying to do in the perpetual use sense. Since the dawn of time, there have been people that have chosen a certain path and simply walked it. But now we're afforded all of these choices. Yeah. And it's a real false choice because yeah. all the choices are grounded towards to selfishness. I simply wish to be the best John every day in perpetuity. And in being the best John every day, my capacity for growth increases. This is something that eluded me for the first many months of this path. I thought that my best was fixed and I was approaching that best. But in approaching that best, the best itself rises. And that oh, yeah. is that is the craziest thing. Once I started to internalize that, I realized that there really is no limit to growth. There yeah. is no limit to the mental and physical fitness one can be. There is no limit to the love that one can have for themselves in the universe. There is no limit to any of this because in pursuing a limitless belief system, the belief system itself sheds its limits. I mean, look at the holy man that has been praying every day for 60 years. He is clearly closer to enlightenment than the holy man that has been praying every day for 50 years. So these people pursue this single-minded task, this determination, this discipline, this consistency in the same manner that I'm pursuing it, except my fantasies of joining a monastery are going to live there. Dude, like I should tell you, I used to fantasize about probably what all you listeners that are sick fantasize about. I don't have any of those fantasies. Occasionally, I fantasize about joining a monastery. I'm not kidding because that would provide me with an unfettered direct access to creation link. Now, it would also cut me off from the world. You know, I connect with hundreds, maybe thousands of people every day on social media. And the selfish path of nihilism and self-destruction is almost the other side of the coin is a selfish path of pure prayer and oneness. You know, one is in the pursuit of light, but it's single. And the other is in pursuit of the dark, and it's single. So that's what I occasionally fantasize about. But no, I'm on here connecting with you, connecting with the group, connecting via social media, cutting through the bullshit of the society and the bullshit of negativity to spread the message of positivity and universal oneness. Folks listening, your problems should only define you in as much as they define at the level you're at. If your problems are, I don't want to live anymore, then that's what we're going to work on. If your problems are, I'm 50 pounds overweight, then that's what we're going to work on. If your problems are, I'm afraid to speak on camera, then that's what we're going to work on. Your problems do define you, but it always defines people in a negative way. People say, I have this problem in my life and it's keeping me capped. I say, I have this problem in my life and that's my springboard. Like people are caught underneath their problems. My problems are here. Like I need to do this to push myself up. And that's what we're doing every day. Our problems are great. I said this the other day. I'm so thankful for my problems because they let me laser focus. When I, when I had so many more problems, I was like not looking at them at all and yet anchored by them. And it was like weighing on me. I'd wake up to them. My heart would be in my throat. A boot of anxiety would be on my chest. I'd always be having these obsessive thoughts, spiral patterns. And I wasn't thinking about dealing with any of my problems. Now that I take action through the simple daily process every day, my problems are awesome. They come into focus during my workout. I think about them as I'm working out. I think about them all day and the answers come to me. They come to me in the form of action, of solution, of reaching out, of being present, of giving more. Whenever I feel like I'm missing something, I go online and I cut a few stories and in giving more, I automatically receive it because I know that people are out there getting the wisdom and it isn't even wisdom. I'm getting from them, like, don't get it twisted. In giving, I am receiving. I have to give because I used to own, I have to give, You know, you know what it is. You're doing this. You are doing this show because you need to give. You are giving folks a platform. You are giving your listeners wisdom. You are giving people that are thinking about going sober a reason to do so. You are providing. You are giving. 
This is what this is about, and this is what we need more of. It is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And the path of solitude and solipsism and navel-gazing and self-destruction is not my path any longer. It will never be. And any, I'm not joining a monastery either, but I had to put that in there because I do occasionally fantasize, hey, what would it be like to just work out and talk to God all day? Mm. And then I realize you know, I'm not healing anyone if I do that, so it's back to reality. Touché. But there's, again, if that is what is needed, these two weeks of solitude or a week of solitude or a day of solitude, maybe that is exactly what you need to sharpen your saw. That is exactly what you need to maybe come back onto the path because you might have strayed away. And I think that is so important that we realize that nowadays we get bombarded with all kind of social engineering uh advertisements exactly it is so easy to get sidetracked and and of course deep inside there is this dude who wants to live this kind of coca-cola advertisement we are young we are free i'm looking good and yes of course i do want to be that um but uh, to have a sugar rush and and be artificially in that kind of high i'm sorry that that doesn't really cut it so what we are, what I'm trying to say is, there's. A, I give you a little bit of a cop out here because there is so much out there, so much, so many messages that can distract you or can uh, lead you astray, um, and so many people who maybe know that they are doing the wrong thing, but they they like you to do the wrong thing as well, so it as it's not so bad for them. So that's why the reason that so many people who drink. They they uh, um, bring other people into their life that drink as well. So there's this kind of social thing happening that's wonderful. And you don't realize that essentially you're creating this false world. Oh, summer. yeah. 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 Misery loves company. You know, <laughs> I, when I, what, yeah. Think about your friends. Like, folks listening, my friends are the ones that pass me the Coke bag. My friends were the ones that pass me the blunt. My friends were the ones that passed me the bottle of whiskey. My friends were the one that said, hey, let's go to this restaurant. My friends were the ones saying you should hook up with her. Those people suck. Like if your friends are the ones asking you to fuck your life up, it's because they want company in fucking theirs up and you need to avoid them at all costs. Stefan, you made a good point. You talked about solitude. Now, starting out on this path, solitude is essential because you're still going to feel the pull of the material world. You're still going to feel the old external pull. Once you get strong enough, you can walk in and around and be present and be posting and be talking to folks online and mm. in the street, totally cool. But a period of solitude is essential because you need to shed yourself of your old habits and routines mm. and inculcate new habits and routines. And the old habits and routines that I had was socializing, dating, like doing the horrible things because other people, like it takes two to tango. When you're at mm. the bar, there might be six to tango. When you have the giant bag of Coke and you're at the club, like God knows how many people like this is demonic stuff that people get involved in. They feel bad about themselves. They don't like who they are. So they think oh, yeah. if we get if we get Stefan at the bar with us, maybe oh, yeah. he will also feel bad about who he is. And we can all hate ourselves together. Fuck that. Take the path of solitude until you get right in the head and then start giving. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, so, so beautifully said. Um, and that that triggers another thought i mean here you are a broken person often enough the, the person that is seeking out your proximity um of the opposite or of the same sex whatever you you're inclined to um they're often just as broken so often enough you see girls out there who are 
um, who are made up to to the top, shortest skirts, deepest décolleté. Um, and you look at them, the way they seek, they seek validation, they seek uh, to be, to have all these men around them because they are so broken inside. They are so eaten up by anxiety, those kind of things. So uh, sometimes it is so blatantly obvious if you actually stop drinking and actually just stand in a bar and just observe actually what is around. And you were saying that yourself, John, before we started that interview, you were saying, hey, you can walk through a street and actually look at people and observe them and know exactly what kind of bullshit lies they tell themselves, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it takes five seconds. One of the men, New York is beautiful. And that's another thing that I, since I turned my life around, I absolutely love New York. I used to, New Yorkers have a pastime of hating on New York. This is what New Yorkers do. I don't play that shit anymore. I love New York because I love myself. And I would be lying if I said I didn't. But before I used to hate on New York. And one of the things I love most about New York is our ability to walk pretty much everywhere. Every neighborhood has a million cool things going on. And it's also good for the exercise and whatnot. And in walking down the street, it is a forum for pain. Because every single person you can read very quickly. Once you've stripped all of that negativity away from the self, you become quite sensitive to others. And this is where my natural born sensitivity has come into play enormously. It takes me about five seconds to read one's pain. And on the street, it's very clearly written onto their face and bodies. And I'm not just talking about the vast number of vagrants and drug addicts and just real down and out types. And in the neighborhood I live in on the Lower East Side, this is a traditionally drug infested, somewhat bohemian, somewhat artistic neighborhood. It's gentrified somewhat. But there's a lot of people like in obvious pain that even your average person would say, oh, well, this person is sleeping on the street. We've got a bunch of track marks in their arm. They're clearly using, they're fucked up. But walking down the street, I can read everyone else's pain. I can see who is anxious. I can see who is ruminating on the past. I can see who has made poor health decisions around food. I can see who is not thinking. You know, people walking with their families, if they're not paying attention to their wife or children or, or whatnot, and all that is very obvious. New York and every other city, if you are open and honest with yourself, you will be open and honest about what everyone else is going through. And this is what makes me, for better or for worse, so able to pick up on other people's lies, denial, selfishness, anxiety, the same stuff that I had, the same stuff I turned my back on. <laughs> five five minutes of walking down Allen Street and you'll see 50 people in pain, period. <laughs> yep. Uh, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. <laughs> We've been there. It's the same with me too. I can see when someone comes into my clinic, I can see a mile away what is going on. And it's sometimes spooky. Uh, and But it is actually quite cool. Having said that, I, I want to come back to one more thing, to the action. Because there is a thing called compound interest. If you're investing your money and you invest in something that gives you money back and you then reinvest that. So you're one dollar and you give another dollar and you give another dollar. By the time you looked, you have put three dollars in and you're four dollars up because your investments have actually made the money made money. It's the same, the same what happens with taking action. Taking action can become quite addictive. And certainly for me, I'm, I'm, I'm nowadays an addict. Uh, I've always been an addict. We, we talked about the sexaholic. Uh, we talked about the alcoholic, the workaholic. That was me and still is. Um, so I'm a holic, no two ways around. But today I'm a lifeaholic. I actually love to take action because I, the first thing that being that taking action sets up the next thing of taking action and the next thing. And it was beautiful. This morning, example, I had an interview planned, guests didn't show up. 
So I was a bit pissed off and I thought, okay, what am I doing now? And I decided, no, I'm going to jump in the spa and I just treat myself. And then I did some workout and that felt actually quite cool. And then, you know, it was, it, it was, hey, it set me up and because I took action. I wasn't wallowing. I didn't go back to bed. I didn't do whatever. It was just, no, I took action and there, there was this choice. I had, and I saw it as a privilege. I saw it as an opportunity. I didn't, I could have seen it as, why did this guy stand me up? You know, it is, I could have been very negative about it or angry about it. And instead I chose to look at it uh, in a positive way and then took action. How about massive? You? Exactly. That is, that is massive. That is the biggest thing. Guys, listen to what Stefan just said. Someone brought negativity into his life. And instead of internalizing that negativity and saying, this is somehow something I did, he clearly acknowledged it as something that they did. When someone is acting weird around you and sending you weird energy, it's not because of anything you did. It's because of everything they didn't do. I'm going to run that back again. Mm. When someone brings negativity, weird energy to you, it's not because of anything you did. Stefan didn't do anything weird. It is about everything this person didn't do. If you are the type of person that bails on an interview without rescheduling, you probably have a lot of other massive issues in your life that you're also bailing on. So do not think that other, I used to do this all the time. This is why I'm on one about this. I used to think this person stood me up. What the fuck is going on? I'm so awful. It never works out. This is horrible. Negative thought spiral, negative thought spiral. I did something wrong. Why, why me? I did something wrong. But no, now when someone brings me some negativity, I actually feel kind of bad for like their wife and kids because it's like, if you're bringing me, your coach, like me, the, this person that's here for you, this weirdness and awkwardness and negativity, what are you bringing the people that you're living with? Like, I know what I was bringing the people I was living with, a bunch of bullshit and lies. So Ooh, yeah. guys, what Stephen, the Stephen did is perfect. Someone brings you negativity and what do you do? You bring yourself and the universe positivity. The workout is the key, is the key. I almost like want people to get funny and weird around me because it tests me because I used to like, especially with my friends and social engagements, <laughs> like, oh, I didn't get invited. I would have all these things, this yearning, this approval and 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 people pleasing and, and acceptance seeking. It was awful. Now I just know, dude, if you don't accept me, bro, you don't accept you. Like if you're bailing on, on the interview with Stefan, like you clearly have some fucked up things uh, in your head because what type of man doesn't keep their word? So guys, oh, I hope sure. you see that. I hope but, you see what, yeah, go ahead, please. No, no, I was just trying to say, shit will always happen. So we all accept that, okay? So for all I know, this poor person might have been involved in an accident um, and be somewhere in an ED. So let's not be silly. Um, that is, shit can happen. And I think that also this acceptance of that, that only because you want it to be a nice world, uh, well, it isn't a nice world. Things go seriously pear-shaped. Um, again, you can focus on the negativity or you can see, okay, what does it really now truly mean for me? Forget all the little voices in your head and say, okay, fine. I've got 90 minutes now that I didn't have before. What could I do with those 90 minutes? Um, <laughs> recently I was, oh yeah, beautiful. We had a cyclone coming through here 
And um, it it was, we were lucky. We are living in a, in a volcano, so a burned out volcano. So we don't get too much serious weather events, but it was enough to, to fell a few trees. And I was standing there, needing to go to work, sitting there. And I was, after five minutes in, in that complete standstill traffic jam, I was ropeable. After half an hour, I was angry as hell. Typical hothead, typical kind of road rage me. Um, and then I said, no, nah, actually, fuck that. I can't do anything about that. Yes, the idiot in front of me is now letting the 15th other car in and delays me even further. And I was about to go out to tell him where to go. And then I thought, nah. So I put actually some comedy on. And for the next hour, I was listening to comedy. <laughs> I was laughing my head off at the end of it. I was never in such a good mood when I came finally to work with an hour and a half late. Um, I had communicated with them. I told them, hey, there's nothing I can do about it. And everyone understood. Uh, and it was, I, I turned it around. These are all choices. These are all, I took action again. I made a conscious choice. I wanted to live intentionally, not let my emotions run my life as it has been for four decades. Um, I'm now trying to live a different life. And when I say try, I mean, you know, increasingly I succeed in doing so. Sometimes I fall back into the old shit, but you know, it works. So these are examples. I could drown these you with examples. John is doing the same thing every single day. Do you get the similarities here? Do you get the message, guys? This is your life out there. But, you know, may I say, yes, of course, you can come up with all these kind of things yourself, if you're lucky. Um, so um, how many times do you want to reinvent the wheel? How many times do you want to try to invent fire or <laughs> something new? Or maybe do you want to meet someone and get in touch with someone who actually has been there done that and is now helping others to achieve that and maybe just maybe john might be the man so john if people are gelling with you and thinking wow this guy has got his shit now together and want to work with you where can they find you hit me up on instagram at nyc foodways that is nyc f-o-o-d-w-a-y-s We'll get it cracking. We'll just keep it pushing, man. Every day I'm on there. Every day I'm here for you. Anyone that anyone that's struggling, anyone out there that is dealing with any negativity in your life, if you do not love all aspects of your life, whatever aspects of your life that you don't love are going to cause self-hatred. You must love all aspects of yourself in order to love all aspects of your life. And my program is one of self-love and loving life. I wake up every morning so grateful for another opportunity to do this mm. and i hope to bring the same message of positivity to anyone that hears the message your life is worth living do not hurt yourself do not harm yourself show up be present be abundant be accountable follow the lead of your heart it will never steer you wrong i'm here for all of you brilliant and guys look down there into the description of the youtube video and of the podcast because all of john's information is down there guys what have you got to lose Hey, and maybe is it time to turn your life around? My educated guess is yes, because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this to this beautiful show. And since it is such a great show, just go down there, press the like and subscribe button and tell your friends 
and and check out all those things that that I do, the projects that I'm involved in at mystepstosobriety.com. And just check it out. You find so much more information there, including our newsletter, etc. So life is beautiful. I challenge you, start taking action. And Getting in touch with John might just be the very first action that actually sets you onto the right path. John, you're an amazing man. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show at a ball of a time. And I loved your your approach of brutal honesty and therefore excellent leadership by taking ownership. And I love that taking ownership and taking action. That is the key to a good man, to a good woman, to a good whatever you define yourself as. This is gender non-specific. This is for every human being out there. And I, I invite you all, come onto the, to, to this path, onto this, this movement, become part of this movement to change yourself, take action, but that you're a role model and very soon the people around you will start taking action. Can you imagine we can make this world a bit of a better place? I dare to say yes. So let's work together. And damn, I get goosebumps just saying so because we all have the power to make this world better. So John, again, thank you so much. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up, turn around.